everybody. This is Ricky D, and we're talking best flicks with Ricky D. I just wanted to go through some of the best programs that are leaving Netflix, leaving HBO Max, and leaving Hulu by the end of May. That is this month, May 2021. Getting started off, leaving Netflix, and it's already gone. It left May 1st, Hoarders. Are there any other Hoarders fans out there? Uh, I have been watching this show for a very long time. I'm a little embarrassed about my enjoyment of Hoarders, but I don't think that Hoarders is really the guilty pleasure that most people think it is. Uh, I think the doctors on the show are really good. I think the organizers on the show are really good. And it it's kind of a guilty pleasure to watch these just totally deranged people try and fight and hold on to their trash while the rest of their family is just pleading with them to clean their home so that they can be a part of their lives again. So I'm not going to deny that the shot in Freud of that is high. However, I do think it's a good program. I do think it's got really good people involved. And I'm pretty sure Hoarders is all over Hulu and uh, probably like Pluto TV and Tubi TV. So it is leaving Netflix, but I'm sure you can find it anywhere else if Hoarders is your kind of guilty pleasure. Following that up, we've got Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project is also leaving Netflix. Uh, I'm not a big fan of these kind of horror movies, found, uh, what do they call that? Found film, uh, all of that stuff. It's not my favorite. If I'm going to enjoy something from the horror genre, I really like something more in the psychological thriller, the suspense. Uh, speaking of which, Seven is leaving HBO Max. So that's my kind of thing where it's not a whole bunch of jump scares, but it's just scary stuff going on in the entire thing. There's a murderer that's killing people according to the Seven Deadly Sins, and Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are trying to catch him before he murders another person, and they've got all these clues and all this cool stuff. That's my type of horror, and I recognize it's not really a traditional horror. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, Nightmare on 13th Street. No? Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, Friday the 13th? Uh, that kind of stuff. But we've also got Lampoon's Christmas Vacation leaving in the middle of May, so if you have a desire to watch... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation in the middle of the May. It is available. Uh, that's one that I grew up watching, I don't know, like 20 times every December as a child. Uh, it's a, my parents would just get attached to a very small number of movies. Oh, here's another good story. I brought National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to my babysitters when I was probably like seven or eight years old. Uh, and to my parents, it just... They watched it so I could watch it, and there was not a lot of extra thought going into that. But I showed up, and everybody, all the kids are watching this Christmas movie, and babysitter's like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then she comes around the corner later, and Clark Griswold is just blasting F-bombs and insulting everybody, and she lost her lid. That was awesome. I didn't really get in trouble, because I don't know, can you punish an eight-year-old for something that their parents are letting them do. I don't remember getting in trouble, but I remember her losing her mind. So that was definitely fun. So we're going to follow up National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Milk. This is one of the last movies that Sean Penn did. 
that was a real big explosion. Sean Penn was a powerhouse previously, and probably since around 2008 when Milk came out, he's kind of just been a pariah. So uh, if you want to look back into Sean's glory years, Sean Penn's glory years, Milk is a very good movie. Uh, I think it's got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about this guy, Harvey Milk, uh, and his partner that moved to San Francisco. So it is a uh, it's a movie you're probably going to find in the LGBT plus section. Uh, so Harvey Milk and his partner moved to San Francisco, and they opened up a camera shop and a couple other little gay-friendly shops around the area. And it brings all these uh, homosexual males, these lesbians, everybody coming in. Uh, hanging out in San Francisco, uh, and that San Francisco is still a area that's extremely gay-friendly today, but Harvey Milk ends up becoming a politician. He's the first elected official that is openly gay in the United States. So uh, that's kind of what the story is about, and spoiler alert, uh, it ends pretty much the only way you know it can end, in that Harvey Milk is killed, by somebody who does not like his lifestyle choices. So very sad, but very good movie. A lot of uplifting parts before that kind of tragic downfall. We've also got Waiting leaving Netflix. Uh, you probably remember Waiting. This was just this really funny, really raunchy. I don't think it made a lot of money in the box office, but once it started circulating around, circulating around on Comedy Central and some of those uh, public or cable TV channels, that's where it picked up a lot of steam. This one is starring Ryan Reynolds, Anna Ferris, Justin Long, uh, David Koechner. I think he's like the manager or he is something like the supervisor of the restaurant. And it's also got Louise Guzman in it. Uh, he's always an excellent character. But uh, this is just a very funny, very raunchy comedy. Uh, you've got and in women in the workplace trying to hook up there's the guys in the back that are doing the dishes and they're just teenage animals and they're just totally ruining everything going on in the establishment uh whether it's pulling out their testicles in the middle of the restaurant or just uh pretending to be little gangsters that's just what they're doing they're kind of being ridiculous but it's a really fun movie waiting is definitely a good way to spend an hour and a half and the last one that I wanted to mention, if you are an Adam Sandler fan, uh, it looks like all of his stuff is getting yanked off of Netflix by the end of May. So 51st Dates, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, Julie and Julia. Those are going bye-bye, although I really don't think you're going to have any trouble finding those. Uh, Adam Sandler's stuff is cheap, and it ends up on all the different streaming channels. Uh, just because it's easily available and it's fairly popular. So if you like Adam Sandler, make sure you catch it before the end of May on Netflix, or you're going to have to do a little extra digging, but I don't imagine it'll be much. All right, now we're heading into HBO Max, everything that's going to leave by the end of May. We've got The Blind Side. I'm sure we all remember The Blind Side. This was a huge movie. Uh, this is when Sandra Bullock was like at her peak Bullock and peak bullock is quite a place to aspire to uh but she took in the giant african-american kid and uh she had him on the, the high school football team and 
they just he came from a very difficult family, a rough background, and Sandra Bullock was this just very sweet southern woman who took him in, raised him, fed him, cared for him, and put him on the football team where he was able to aspire to more, be part of a team and grow up as a strong young man as opposed to just hanging out on the streets and going the same path that far too many people that are abandoned by their family go down. So The Blind Side, really, really sweet, really, really good movie. Uh, It works out. It's a good movie for sports fans. It's a good movie for family-type movie fans. It hits a lot of different genres. So Blind Side, very good. Have to recommend. All right. I have to mention Defending Your Life, leaving HBO Max by the end of the month. This is an Albert Brooks film. Uh, Some people would argue it's the best Albert Brooks film. If you don't know who Albert Brooks is off the top of your head, uh, on Knocked Up, he was Seth Rogen's father. He hangs out in a lot of Judd Apatow movies, but Albert Brooks also acts in and writes and directs his own movies. So Defending Your Life is about uh, after you die, you end up in this weird ethereal way station that just looks like another city, and you have to defend the choices you made in your life to an omnipotent being so uh there's a lot of flashbacks in this and it's not flashbacks that you've seen before but he's sitting there in this uh ultimate courtroom setting and he's trying to and the judge is going here is something you did in your life this was not something a good person did explain to me how do you defend taking this stance engaging in this action something like that uh, and you just have it's about defending your life to an omnipotent courtroom judge. Uh, really, really, really good. I've heard amazing things, and this one is going on my list. I have to watch it by the end of the month, and I'm going to see if I can do something a little bit more with that. Maybe I'll write up a blog post, although it's not very new. I don't know. Uh, but defending my life, defending your life, going on my list, and I recommend you put it on yours. Jaws. Uh, That one's leaving HBO Max. I actually just watched Jaws for the first time a couple weeks ago because it was on HBO Max. But this is... We all know what Jaws is, right? Uh, If I could... There's a few kind of famous stories about Jaws, so I'll throw those out there. Uh, Famously, they made a robotic shark. Uh, It was Jaws is from the 70s, so they didn't really have a whole lot of technology for cgi and that kind of thing so they actually made a giant robot shark and this is a spielberg movie so this has happened a couple of times and this robot shark when you put it in the water obviously it doesn't work out very well so this giant mechanical robo shark that they submerge in water so the circuits are all going crazy uh people would see this shark not when anything was filming and it would just randomly lurch around because the circuit boards were all fried. Uh, Additionally, they could hardly use that robot in the entire movie. There were a whole bunch more shots planned out that they had the shark in that was supposed to increase suspense, but because they could only use this mechanical shark for so few scenes that they were able to get it to work, that kind of upped the suspense of the entire movie. Um, When there's this giant evil shark going around killing people, but we don't see it. That kind of 
add some suspense and it wasn't intended to go that way but it did work out very very well that way and speaking of spielbergs and big robotic monsters the same thing kind of happened with jurassic park uh i'm sure everybody remembers the giant tyrannosaurus rex chasing the jeep the jurassic park labeled jeep all the way through the forest and it was raining during that time so again before we had all this cgi spielberg was a master of animatronics and he made this big, scary T-Rex. And in all the raining scenes, there was water just flowing through all of the connections, all of the circuits, everything going on inside the dinosaur. So it was very difficult to work with. And this one also would lurch around when it wasn't supposed to be, when there was no film, nothing going on. So it just scared the pants off of everybody on set, anybody that was working around there. Uh, they could be on break, not doing anything, and all of a sudden this Tyrannosaurus Rex just starts growl, starts roaring and twitching its head around. That's some pretty scary stuff. Back to Jaws. Uh, another fun story about Jaws is this is what most cinema fans refer to as the, uh, the birth of the summer movies. Uh, Jaws came out as a summer blockbuster and because this was so popular uh, and there were so many people flocking to the theaters during the summer, that's when Hollywood decided to drop its big budget, expensive, exciting, like America loves these movies kind of thing. Uh, before that, there wasn't really a rhyme or reason to when different movies were released. But when the summer blockbuster hit, that's when Hollywood really started deciding you know let's release this movie during the summer because we expect it to be a huge one the kids are out of school we can make a whole bunch of money off of it versus some of the more smaller independent films uh you can dump those around january or february and they won't make a a lot of bad press for the studio that kind of stuff so it was kind of the beginning of a little more delicate picking and choosing for when movies were released also Leaving HBO Max, the end of the month, The Matrix Trilogy. When's the last time you watched The Matrix Trilogy? Uh, I caught it maybe two months ago. Uh, I know that they have a new Matrix movie coming out later this year. It's coming to HBO Max. It's one of those Warner Brothers movies that's simultaneously releasing on HBO Max and in the theaters. So I would expect when that one drops, they'll probably bring The Matrix Trilogy back to HBO. And uh, like I was just saying about summer blockbusters, I don't know the release date of the new Matrix movie, but I'm sure it's going to be right around that June, July, August. I can almost guarantee that. So Matrix trilogy, tons of fun. When's like, <laughs> sorry, I'm just repeating myself. But if you haven't watched that in the past five years, it's really great. The first movie, if you can watch it through the lens of somebody new, the Matrix is a really great movie. The way they slowly unveiled all this information. And there's this guy who's just kind of, he's running away from this superhuman being. But by the end, he's in the Matrix. And I saw the Matrix so many times as a kid that I just really started watching it for the fight scenes. But if you can kind of reset your mind and try and watch it for the first time again, the first Matrix movie is amazing. The second and third are a little iffy by Revolutions. It's just kind of a giant mech warrior fight scene. 
the Matrix trilogy. Check it out. Also, all of the Mortal Kombat movies, they've got all of them on HBO right now because uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie came out. And if you're interested in the new Mortal Kombat movie, I recommend you listen to my episode from last week because we talked all about the new Mortal Kombat movie. But there was the Mortal Kombat movie from 1995. That was a pretty good one. It's not the greatest movie, but it's got good fight scenes. It's got a lot of uh, karate, kung fu, all of that cool stuff. Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is just hot garbage. That one is 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's... I want to find those 2% of reviewers because I don't know what movie they were watching. Uh, There was also a movie about Scorpion that came out in like 2019. And maybe even another Mortal Kombat movie. So if this is your jam, make sure you catch up on all these before the end of May. We also have Seven. I mentioned Seven a little bit earlier just as a example of the type of horror movies that I like to watch. Uh, I'm not really into like Blair Witch or Saw or Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Those are all just kind of a little boring. I don't, gore doesn't really do much for me. But Seven, that psychological thriller aspect, uh, and the the fact that they're pulling in the Seven Deadly Sins, I thought that was a really cool, really unique idea. But this one is starring Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and Kevin Spacey. It was directed by David Fincher. He does some pretty good psychological thriller work. Uh, but this is probably one of my favorite psychological thriller horror movies Brad Pitt does an excellent job Morgan Freeman always great uh if you haven't seen seven if you're into horror if you're into psychological thriller this is an excellent one and I guess that's why I put it on my movies to watch before they leave uh following that up we've got Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz uh Simon Pegg was really popular for me right around that 2005 to 2008 time Uh, I watched Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz a ton of times. Shaun of the Dead was probably one of the first DVDs I actually owned. Uh, And I loved it because I had this moment in life where I was really into all the different zombie movies, the Dawn of the Dead, Land of the Dead, um, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, And I really liked those. But Hot Fuzz, just kind of making fun of goofy small-town cops, for my money, Hot Fuzz significantly better than Shaun of the Dead, but they're both real good movies. Lots of great comedy. All right, and Hulu. There's not much leaving Hulu this month. Uh, You know, come to think of it, when you look at the number of movies, TV shows, and that kind of thing coming to all of these programs, much higher than what's leaving. So if we go into... June if we go into June and there's 5,000 movies on Netflix they're going to get 100 more and they're only going to lose about 25 which is really interesting Uh, if you really think about the business behind just acquiring all of these different contracts uh, having to you know all the different deals that kind of thing I feel like eventually everything is going to split up and go back to its original network. Like Paramount is trying to recollect all of their stuff. That's why you can't watch The Office on Netflix anymore because Paramount uh, is the mother company behind it. 
And if anybody's going to make money off of that, why would you lease it out instead of building your own subscriptions? Uh, so it's just kind of interesting to look at from a business standpoint. What's going on now? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, streaming is an interesting business. But Hulu, what's leaving Hulu the end of May? Mighty Ducks, one, two, and three. Uh, this is one of those movies that kind of made me fall in love with hockey. Uh, I'm in Colorado. I'm a big fan of the Avalanche. Uh, when I was around 10 to 15 years old, the Avalanche were just killing it. And Mighty Ducks was one of these really fun, uh, kid-centric movies that it's just about kids playing hockey. They have a really cool coach. Uh, he helps. He gets down on their level, and he helps them all individually. He helps them all become a team. Uh, I remember Mighty Ducks 1 very clearly. Uh, I remember D2 Mighty Ducks coming out. Like, I remember that whole release campaign. Mighty Ducks 3, not as much on my radar. But this is a really good series. And I believe over on Disney+, Plus, they're actually starting a new live-action Mighty Ducks series. So if this is your thing, there's Mighty Ducks to be had. Reservoir Dogs leaving Hulu. Uh, this is Quentin Tarantino, of course. This is the one with Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink, uh, and they're all trying to pull off this heist together, but they're also very suspicious of each other. I think Mr. Blue is kind of a really crappy guy. Uh, Mr. Pink, he's a little more understated, and he's he's more interested in the greater good than his individual good. And he's trying to keep a lid on everything. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, very highly rated Quentin Tarantino movie uh, back from the 90s. I think this one was right before Pulp Fiction. Uh, but excellent program. Make sure you catch Reservoir Dogs. This is another one that I feel like it's really floating around. If you don't catch it on Hulu, I bet you can get it on Netflix or HBO Max without a lot of trouble. And last but not least, we have Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein is this really good old black and white comedy. Uh, it's not. It was in 1974, so it didn't have to be black and white. That was just a stylistic choice. Uh, they were trying to replicate the original Frankenstein movies. But Young Frankenstein is a comedy written, uh, no, directed by Mel Brooks, written by Gene Wilder, and it's also starring Gene Wilder. Uh, but Gene Wilder plays the grandson of Dr. Frankenstein, and because everybody knows that his uncle was this crazy experimental scientist, uh, young Frankenstein is also a scientist, and he's getting all this flack about all of the weird experiments that his grandfather did. So young Frankenstein goes out to Transylvania. Uh, he discovers his grandfather, the original Frankenstein's uh, old building, workshop, all of that, and young Frankenstein also finds a way to reanimate bodies. Uh, it's really funny. Only an hour 45. Um, if you haven't seen Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, I highly recommend it. And from there, go pick up a whole bunch of other Mel Brooks stuff. Uh, Blazing Saddles is amazing. It's a little outdated. There's, some, there's a lot of uh, word choices that wouldn't really make the cut in 2021 but you know if you can view it through the lens of satire and view it through the lens of 
a different point in time. Blazing Saddles is amazing. Check out the rest of the Mel Brooks stuff. Uh, very good programs. Well, I think that's about it. This is Ricky D. This has been Best Flicks with Ricky D. Thanks for coming with me.